Good morning. I have been doing this for about 25 years, and I can read a room, and I know that some of you are looking at the clock going, oh, Lord, what is happening to my roast right now? Don't worry. As that so happens in the liturgy, it, we don't even really follow the liturgy, but it is so happens that Senior Recognition Sunday and Mother's Day Sunday is also Short Sermon Sunday. It's in the Baptist calendar. So turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 5. We're going to focus on verses 17 and 18 today. Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18. If you are our guest, um, and I've, got to meet, I've gotten to meet a few of you this morning, we are working our way verse by verse through the gospel of Matthew. So we're in chapter 5 today, verses 17 through 18, and we're going to keep going through Matthew most Sundays um, through, through the year probably through 2023 as well, okay? Because it's a long book, but there's a lot of Jesus that we presume to know, and there's a lot of Jesus that we need to know and the world needs to know, so we're taking our time and studying the Gospel of of Matthew. Um, And we have been through an establishment of Jesus' identity in chapters 1 through 4, and now Jesus in chapter 5 is launched into this really beautiful sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and for those first 16 verses, he has defined what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. What do people who claim to follow verses look like? What are their lives defined by? And you can see that in verses 3 through 16. I hope you will read it because I'd really love to go through it again with you because it's my habit. But um, I want you to, to focus in on there, 5, 3 through 16, so you can get an understanding of what it means to actually look like a Christian and be a Christian. But if you were listening to Jesus' sermon and if you've been following along with us, one of the things that you would notice Um, is that something seems to be missing from Jesus' sermon. Jesus hasn't referenced the Bible. He hasn't referenced the Old Testament. And in an age where rabbis would expound and explain the law tirelessly in their synagogues and in their conversations and to their disciples, to so far, Jesus, while it's been beautiful and amazing and astounding, he has not use the Bible. He has not referenced the Scriptures. And in fact, as we read through Matthew, you're going to start going through the minute details of the application of the like, like the rabbis, like the Pharisees, like the scribes would do. Jesus, as He went about doing His teaching ministry, would preach a doctrine of grace. He would preach a doctrine of love. He would often use parables, like the parable of the prodigal son and others, tell a lot of stories, a lot of narratives. Even worse, Jesus lived like those parables and like those stories. I use worse uh, sarcastically. You know, Jesus was accused truthfully of mixing with and intentionally sitting down with everyday people, real life sinners, sharing meals with them, which as we've learned establishes relationship and a friendship with them. As he would go about and do his teaching and healing ministry, it would, it would often appear as if Jesus was not following all the rules and the regulations like the Pharisees were teaching. It looked like he was deliberately breaking the law. So, um, and, and in short, he would actually, there's a lot of teaching, you'll see this in Matthew, where he publicly and verbally criticized the Pharisees of Jesus' day, who were recognized as the leaders, the owners, the most righteous people in Jesus' day. Nobody knew the law better than them, and here is Jesus criticizing them. 
So he's not using the Bible in his teaching. He's not using the Old Testament. He's not using the law. He's using something else entirely and preaching something that seems to be a little bit different than what the Pharisees and scribes are, are teaching. And he's verbally and publicly criticizing them in their, in their teaching. So you have to wonder as a person listening to Jesus, like you're enthralled, you're engaged, you're, 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 you're there, but where's the Bible? Where's the, where is the Old Testament Jesus? Where is it? And in direct answer 19 and 20, we have the application of that explanation. So what we're going to do is focus on verses 17 and 18 today, um, and, uh, and we'll just jump right in. So look with me, and we're going to read it together. It says, don't think, this is Jesus talking, he's answering this question. The reason he's answering this question right now is because what's coming is, a, is, is his law teaching. And I've, I've warned you, if you've been here, it's going to be uncomfortable. And we'll get to that at the end. But right here, between his beautiful sermon on the kingdom of heaven and what it means to be a citizen of those things, that place in this world, and him starting to use the law in his teaching, Jesus explains his relationship to the Old Testament. It's absolutely astounding. Look what it says. Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter, and all my King James people said, jot and tittle, thank you, that's right. <laughs> None of it will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Okay, that's what we're going to look at today. So in response to the questions that one might have about Jesus' relationship to the Scriptures, Jesus does two things, two really simple, really powerful things. The first thing that Jesus does is He affirms the authority and necessity of the Scriptures. He affirms the authority and the necessity of the Scriptures. Verse 17, don't think that I came to abolish. I did not come to abolish. For I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, nothing will pass away from the law. Not at all. Okay? He affirms their necessity and their authority, which we'll talk about. But the second thing that he does is he affirms that all of the Old Testament scriptures are about him. They're all about him. I have come to fulfill them. So that's what Jesus does. So that's what we're going to do. Okay? Today... For you, for our graduates, for our, I want to affirm the authority and the necessity of Scripture in your life. And I want to affirm that every bit of it is about Jesus. And I want to show that to you. So verse 18, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. In this text, Jesus affirms the authority of, of Scripture in our lives, and he affirms the necessity of Scripture um, and what it is, what it must do, and what only it does, and why we need it. So, with Jesus, can we just affirm the authority and the necessity of Scripture? We affirm with Jesus that the Bible was written by men and divinely inspired, and it is God's revealing of Himself to us. We affirm with Jesus that the Bible is the perfect treasure of divine instruction. We affirm with Jesus that the Bible has God for its author, 
through these divine inspired men, it has salvation for its end because it's going to point to the Savior of Jesus and it's got truth without any mixture of error in its matter. That's what we know. We affirm with Jesus that all of Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. And we affirm with Jesus that Scripture reveals the principles by which God judges and is therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of our Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. Read that last sentence again. The Bible is the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. Let me break this down for you a little more simply. We believe in God. And the reason we believe in God is because we believe that God has chosen to reveal Himself to us through a written account right here. Jesus believed this about the Old Testament Scriptures, the New, the New Testament Scriptures. There was Tons of, I can't go into how the canon got formed. There's tons of evidence about how all of that came together. We believe in God and we believe that God has spoken. And therefore, if we believe that God has spoken to us to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God Himself. This is what Jesus affirmed for us in this moment. The Bible is God's very words. And we don't want to try to improve on them in some way because that can't be done. We don't want to remove the things that we're uncomfortable with or ignore the things that we're uncomfortable with. That's why we're going straight through the book of Matthew. It's not because I want to. It's because we have to. Because if we do what I want to, I'll skip around a bunch of stuff that I don't want to talk about. Just in the month of June, Okay. But we go through straight through because we don't want to disbelieve or disobey or ignore or just try and improve on it or be comfortable with what we want to be comfortable with. We need to seek to understand them and trust them and obey them with our whole heart. That's what it means to affirm the authority and the necessity of Scripture in our lives. So let's stand with Jesus on the Bible, right? We've got to be a people of the book. We don't need the Bible to know that God exists, nor do we need the Bible to know a few things about His character. That's what Romans 1 explains all of that. But God has spoken. God has spoken. And if that's true, we need to listen. We, and we do need the Bible to know the Gospel. We do need the Bible for maintaining our spiritual life in the Gospel. We do need the Bible for knowing God's will. God, who loves us, has spoken. So let's affirm the place of the Bible in our lives, in our church. It's why we read Scripture. It's why we sing it. It's why we preach it, because we need it. God has spoken. Okay? And Jesus affirms, secondly, not just the Scripture's authority, not just its necessity for understanding the gospel, for, for knowing God's will, for growing in our spiritual life. Jesus confirms for us that if you read it, you will find Him in it, that He fulfills the scriptures. I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, which is the scriptures, but it is I have come to fulfill. Now, the way of demonstrating this, there are so many ways of doing this, but I just want to give you a few because we are short in our time. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you see Paul 
Um, in, this, in this last letter to the Corinthian church, he says in verse 20, chapter 1, that all of the promises of God in the Old Testament find their yes, their fulfillment in the person of Jesus. So Paul affirms what Jesus says here. He says, if you, if you look at the promises of God and who He is and what He's going to be doing to save and make a people unto Himself, you will find the fulfillment, the, the, the keptness of those promises found in the person of Jesus. Jesus did this Himself in Luke 24. He's walking along the road to Emmaus, a resurrected Jesus, and He sits down with two of these guys and, they, and He's not revealed His identity to them. They don't recognize them. And they're talking about Jesus' death and, and the apparent stealing of His body. And in verse 25 of chapter 24, Jesus said to them, Foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets that all the prophets have spoken. What does that mean? It's the Old Testament. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And then Jesus said, beginning with, the Moses, with Moses and with all the prophets, He interpreted to them all the Scriptures, the things concerning Himself. What a Bible study. Around the fire, He, Jesus, interpreted all the things in the Scriptures to these two guys and pointed to how they all point to Him. And in verse 44, a few verses later, he reveals his identity to them. And he said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Even before all this, in John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, Jesus is talking to Pharisees who were plotting to kill him in this moment. And he says, you know, you're, you guys... You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is those Scriptures that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. So if we're to read the Bible because of the authority and the necessity that, that comes with it being the Word of God, we read it recognizing Wherever we are in the timeline of redemption, we were reading Scripture, that it's, it is pointing and referring and showing us the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and reign of Jesus. So if you're in Genesis, He's the seed of the woman. If you're in Exodus, He's the Passover lamb. If you're in Leviticus, Jesus is the high priest. If you're in Numbers, He's the pillar of cloud by day and the fire at night. In Deuteronomy, He is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, He's the captain of salvation. In Judges, He is the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, He is the kinsman redeemer of this morning's Sunday school lesson. In First and Second Samuel, He's the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, He's the perfect king. In Ezra, He is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, He's the one who's real building the wall. In Esther, He is a true and better Mordecai. And in Job, He is the ever-living redeemer. In the Psalms, He is the Lord and the shepherd. And in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, He is true wisdom embodied. And in Song of Solomon, He is the true lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of priests. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the perfect eternal husband, forever married to the backslider. And in Joel, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is the bearer of burdens. In Obadiah, he's the savior. In Jonah, he is a missionary of mercy. And in Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's an avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the evangelist pleading for revival. And in Zephaniah, he is the Lord mighty to save. And Haggai, he restores the lost to heritage. And in Zechariah, he is a fountain opened in the house of David for sin and cleansing. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Amen. That is Jesus there. 
It's where he is. The written word. The written word points to the living word. That's what it does. So Jesus affirms the authority and the necessity of the scriptures, and Jesus affirms that the scriptures are about him. So what? Well, the low-hanging fruit here is that we just got to be people of the book, right? The word abolish. Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish. It means loosen. It means invalidate. It doesn't mean like take a hammer to it and destroy it, so to speak. It, it means to end it through loosening or invalidation. So yesterday I'm sitting in the chair in my bedroom and Abby's sitting on the floor next to my feet and, um, and talking. We're just kind of talking. And she's slowly and very subtly untying my shoes. And I know she got one, but, uh, but I did not realize she got two. So when I stood up, my shoes basically came off, right? Because she had abolished. Okay. Subtly, right? Subtly, just gently, like I didn't even feel it happening, but it was actually happening, and I should have known better because it's not like this is the first time that she's tried to abolish the functionality of my shoes. That's the way it happens, right? Jesus is saying, don't, don't think that in the manner of my teaching that I've come to invalidate or to loosen the Scriptures. And we, we, we can invalidate and loosen the Scriptures by pretending like they don't exist. We can invalidate and loosen the scriptures by talking about them and not talking through them. Very different sermon, very different sentence to a class that talks about the Bible or uses the Bible to talk about something else instead of actually one that talks about the Bible. The former will invalidate or loosen the scriptures over time. So let's don't parent like there's not a Bible. Let's don't do church like there's not a Bible. Let's don't experience victory in our lives like there's not a Bible. Let's don't experience defeat like there's not a Bible. Let's don't relate to our enemies like there's not a Bible. God has spoken. Let's listen and obey. That's what we need to do with this and see Jesus as we do. But there's a more complicated question that we need to end on today. And that's this. If we have need for the Bible and we need to affirm its authority and affirm its necessity, and we, and we want to see Christ Himself as the fulfillment of these Scriptures, what is the relationship between me, Jesus, and the Scriptures? How are we disciples to live a beatitude life? How are we to be salt and light? And what role does the Old Testament play in that? It's an interesting question, right? What is my relationship on this end of the redemptive timeline where the cross has happened and I'm over here and I get it and I have faith in Jesus? What is my relationship to the Ten Commandments now? What is my relationship to the law and the prophets? And that's a question that we'll answer next Sunday. Okay, That's where we're going to be. Lord, we are grateful for your word. We want to be people of the book, the, the word that points to the living word. And we ask, Father, that you would make us hungry for your word, not, not just to cognitively establish and affirm the truth of the Bible and say that it is what it is, but to own it, to be in it, to be talking about it, to be wondering and questioning and growing, and to affirm its authority and necessity in our lives, and to be sharing it with others. If God has spoken, surely other people need to hear it than us ourselves. If God has spoken, if you have revealed yourself to us through a written word, 
what other words should we be talking about to other people who don't know you? Help us be people of the word. And help us see Jesus in it and understand our relationship to it as we continue to go through this incredible account. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.